Hello and welcome to You've Just Got Homeschooled. I'm RJ and today I want to talk about some of the realities we face as homeschoolers, but more importantly, just as people. Um, I'm not sure what it's like wherever you live. Um, here in California, it seems that the world is getting increasingly crazy in the way that, um, kind of in every area, the way that people interpret the law um, or rights, the way that uh, the powers that be are are stretching um, or forcing me to stretch or trying to get me to stretch, um, like the suspension of disbelief, like what is allowed, um, things that would not have been questionable by anyone 50 years ago seem to be part and parcel of everyday conversation here. And so what it caused me to think of is this, is one of the things that has been made clear to me in the field of education is that especially when it deals with homeschooler the state quote unquote the state doesn't believe that it's enough that somehow there is a defect uh, or it's bound to be defective uh, any education provided by parents to their own kids or any community to their own kids if it is not overseen by a credentialed teacher. So short version, it's not enough. It's not enough that your kids read above grade level. It's not enough that they spend more time outside. It's not enough that they play. It's not enough that on average they score better. It's not enough that they're actually more social um, or sociable they're, they're, they're better socialized because they know how to deal with people that are not in their grade. They know how to deal with adults and other kids and varying, you know, varying age groups. Um, it's not enough because you're not enough. And that's really what they're saying. You're not enough. It's not your responsibility. It's our responsibility as a state to make sure your kids get educated. It's not your responsibility. It's ours. It's not your, ultimately your responsibility to make sure that your kids grow up healthy it's our responsibility. And so they start making laws and making decisions. But I, I kind of to pair back on that, to reflect on that, I think it's interesting that oftentimes things start as it's not enough. And we know this as homeschoolers because we'll, we'll start the conversation or we'll start talking about um, or wondering or worrying about whether or not what we're doing is enough in the day-to-day, right? Is my kid getting enough time in their math curriculum or working on math? Are they getting enough time reading? Are they spending enough time in this area or that? Are they, are they getting enough time to do X, Y, or Z? And, but then quickly that becomes, am I enough? Am I smart enough? Right? Am I capable of doing this? Am I organized enough? And then that rolls into and, and harps on seemingly even deeper um, realities or deeper fears within our, our being um, that come to some version of I'm not enough, right? And that may take the, f- the, the form of I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not um, educated enough, I don't know math enough, right? And it, but it, it, it shifts from a I'm unable um, to do this, and so it's some sort of lack that I have to becoming I by nature of who I am lack. So it may start out as 
I'm not sure I can do math well enough and becomes, I'm not good enough. And I know that that's something that a very large portion of the human population probably struggles with in some way, shape, or form if they're actually honest with themselves. There's this deep um, feeling or deep lack of confidence in ourselves. Um, Because deep down inside, I think we know that we aren't all that we could be or even all that we should be. And those of us who have spent any time um, denying that reality will recognize, you know, those hallmarks of, oh, you know, that's just BS or that doesn't apply to me. And, and we cover it over and we, we blank it out. But I think it's important to recognize that in ourselves and then recognize that in our own kids and our own students um, as we're homeschooling them, because I think it becomes really important uh, to then contradict those things or to, to have some stuff on hand to fight against that thought pattern, which brings us down really, that makes us question what we're doing. And depending on who you are and what you believe, you know, that can look a lot of different ways. I rely on my faith for that, but other people will not um, or don't. Um, I counter that with truths that I believe based on my, my Christian beliefs, my evangelical Christian beliefs. But ultimately, there needs to be this, this kind of push against the natural degradation of I'm not enough, or I'm not good enough, or I don't know enough, because in some ways, the answer is yes, you're right. Um, You don't know enough. You're you're not good enough. But then really, we need to ask ourselves, but but does that mean I'm incapable of being enough? And that's where it becomes important as a homeschooler, as a homeschool educator, as a parent, to say, you know what, I'm not sure if many people, I don't know any personally, who are really ready to have kids. Like, there's no training ground that's really adequate to what it's like to be a first-time parent. Because you just can't know. Uh, And, you know, an analogy I've actually used a couple times in other conversations that I've had recently is... um, when you take someone fishing for the first time, it's hard to describe what a fish biting the line feels like. It's just one of those things you'll know. And trial by fire, right? Practice is what does it. And I think that, that we have to realize that you're right. You may not be enough right now, but luckily you're not a static object, right? You're not, you're not carved in stone. You can move and you can adapt. And although you may not know that math now, you're capable of learning it. And... I think most of us as parents want our kids to go beyond what we did, what, beyond what we're capable of. And so that's a learning process too of I may not be ever gifted enough to teach my kid everything, but I am give, gifted enough to teach my kid everything that I know and everything that I'm capable of learning and to help point them in the right direction to those people who do know more and can do more. Right? I'm not a musician, but if my kids want to pursue music, I can find them someone who is and hopefully have the means to provide them lessons. My daughter's taking tap right now. I have absolutely no desire to learn tap. But if she does, I'm happy that we have her in tap class. Um, you know, and, so, and that's the reality of it is like we don't have to give in to the semi-truth 
that we're not smart enough or we're not good enough in every area because we can rely on the, the actual truth that we don't have to be, that humans were not created or not made to live in a vacuum, that I do not have to provide 100% of my kids' education, that I can bring other people into their lives. And in, in all reality, that's actually really important because the plurality of instructors, the, the having more people teaching your kids can only benefit them. Especially when that when it doesn't appear to be teaching, um, I think I've related this early on somewhere in the podcast about um, Bushman. I think it's Kalahari Bushman to be specific. But an anthropologist went there and and followed them around and asked them when do they teach their kids, and they said we don't. And the anthropologist is like, how can you not teach your kids? And they said they watch and then they do. And I think that that once we reframe education to not be something that is actively taught from a teacher who knows all an omniscient being the teacher to a finite being the student and recognize that all of life is a teacher, we then have more freedom to teach them what we know, to walk alongside them as a fellow student in what we don't, but we are, we are capable and willing to learn and to hand them off to someone who knows or is willing to learn other things. And that's a great solace, a great um, way to, to combat that worry or that, that fear or that insecurity that comes in on the wings of a society that says, how could you ever teach a kid? You don't have the right papers, right? You haven't been to school for that. And I just want to remind you, especially if you live in, in the United States, but specifically in California, we have the roughest standards on teachers. I know because I've been through them and we have some of the lowest scores. How is that possible? Because it's not the piece of paper that makes you a good teacher. In fact, I have come to the belief that oftentimes the piece of paper means that you've gone through the process of having the the ability to teach effectively beaten out of you. And I've run into, I've been in, uh, I don't know if you know what an IEP is. An IEP is an individualized education plan. And typically it is um, only given to students who have some sort of educational special need. And that can run the, the gamut from like, they have ADHD and it's affecting their work. Um, otherwise they're completely normal and fine to severe autism. And I have been into in many, 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 many IEP meetings where all the special ed teachers who have even more training than I do, all they do is parrot what the textbooks say. There's no creative thought on how to help this student. As an example of that, um, I, had a, I have a student who is, uh, has auditory processing. She, she struggles in a noisy environment to pick out a, a singular voice and follow it. So in her IEP, it says that if she's in a classroom setting, the teacher has to wear a microphone and she has a set of ear like headphones that she can hear basically only what the teacher says. And that helps for her, helps her in a classroom setting. I went through an entire IEP meeting over an hour, listening to the specialist go on and on and on. Um, having looked at her schedule, she's a high schooler having, you know, done all that stuff. And, and they'd thrown out a bunch of stuff that was not really that helpful and um, one of her auditory processing issues, or that's one of her issues, but another one of her issues is um, 
retention, especially like in story format for literature, like reading it and understanding it and then being able to um, express what she read well. And so um, we were talking about that and they, and I was like, she loves ASL, right? American Sign Language. Um, she'd been studying it for a little bit. And I was like, what if we just have her repeat back what she just read in, or what she just heard in ASL, in American Sign Language? Um, because that, because you're taking something that may have input as either visual or audio information, um, which messes with her, her processing or her processing messes with the information. If you have her reformat it into physical movements, like you would in American sign language, you may get more of it to stick And the, the special lectures. Like, that's a really good idea. I hadn't thought of that. I'm like, but it's a great example of how individualized education is really, really important. And it's probably the best way in many instances for someone to learn, especially when they're learning like formative stuff. Because you're taking the information and giving it to them in a, in a format that is both palatable and nutritious. Um, and I think that's important because not all information – kids are ready for different information at different times. And to force them to take in information that they're not ready for is like forcing a baby who's not ready to eat food to eat food. It's only going to mess up their digestive system and it's only going to make them unhappy. And it may put them off that food forever. Right? Conversely, withholding stuff from them because, quote unquote, they're not ready may cause a similar issue. They've recently found that a lot of um, uh, allergic reactions or a lot of allergies stem from not having early enough exposure as children. So now they're recommending that, like, parents give their kids peanuts, you know, when they're first or peanut products when they're first starting to eat. So they, their body recognizes that as a good thing rather than a bad thing. It's the same thing. If your kid wants to get at something that might be two grades higher, um, maybe it's worth exploring that with them because maybe they need it now. Maybe they want it now. And it's, it's easier and more effective to roll with what they want. Um, and then balance it out as you go rather than to withhold stuff from them academically because you're not sure they're ready because sometimes what happens is I need to learn multiplication because I'm interested in it. And then on the back end, I'll learn addition and subtraction a little bit better. Now, you may have to enforce that later on. But if there's that balance of reaching out and, and exploring what I'm interested in and then tying it back to something I'm weak in, I can then drag along those weak parts without having to sacrifice the, the curiosity and the joy of learning. So um, I want to encourage you in this that you will probably feel, feel at multiple times, um, I'm not doing enough. Uh, they're not learning enough. You may hear it, right? The state, whether it's a part of the United States or internationally, may, may say something like, you can't teach your kid because. You don't know enough. And I say, buzz off, basically. Like, this is my kid. They'll live in my house if they don't get educated. But they also might live in my house if you educate them. And I'd rather it all be my fault than to be your fault for telling them and giving them lies and, and twisting their, their sense of reality 
and forcing them to go a route that they may not want to go or they may not be gifted in or they may have no desire to only to come out the other side hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt and have no desire to work or live or do anything in the field that they're trained in. And then they have to figure it all out, out again, right? You'll hear this over and over again, but recognize that there's, there's facts to the contrary. There's things that are true about you, about your family, about your reality. There's things that you offer your kid that go well beyond what you can teach them academically, right? I'm more interested in having a person of good character than someone who's a genius, because a good work ethic and an ability to solve problems and teachability and curiosity are far more valued, valuable to me than whether or not you can do, you know, 15-digit multiplication in your head. Or whether you can recall every fact and date of every major event in the Civil War. It doesn't make a difference to me. If you know how to find those things, if you're curious enough to go find the right answers when you need them, that works for me. If you're a... a a person who is full of character, who is honest, who is loyal, who is hardworking, those things make more difference in the world, who's teachable, who's curious, than a stack of geniuses who did everything that the book said they should and compared it all back but cannot think for themselves. So I hope you found this encouraging and uplifting. Um, that's what I was trying to do. Like I know that I, there are many times I don't feel good enough. Um, in many, many areas of my life, not just academically or as a homeschool dad um, or as a teacher, but just as a human being. And I think that recognizing that and then having things in your toolbox to counteract that um, is really, really important. So if you like this, please like, subscribe, hit the buttons, do the things, press the stars, leave a review, share with a friend. Um, go check out our website, homeschool, uh, com, and follow us on Instagram at homeschooledpodcast. Thanks and have a great day.